first time I was in a tattoo shop, I'll never forget, I was on tour with my high school ska band. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today, I have Vincent Aguilar from, um, well, I have Vincent Aguilar. And you may know- (laughs) From around town, yeah. From around town. (laughs) But you may also know Vincent Aguilar from such bands as Urban Sprawl, The Risk, The Night Brigade, Vincent Aguilar, which was an acoustic singer-songwriter folk punk project, Sweater Weather- Oh, good. I said that first. The right. Yes. Perfect. Okay. Horrible things. Press your eyes. In prose. Forced isolation. Need. The please and thank yous. The Valentines. Earth Girls. Sword Swallower. Lagoon. Daisy Glaze. Dream Probe. No Mask, which is actually spelled M-A-S-C, not m-a-s-k just just for clarity's sake (laughs) vincent is currently in the band power of dusk so vincent welcome to the show yeah sweet thank you yeah i'm happy to be here so today we're going to be listening to your song emily which you performed with the valentines and this is off of the single emily backed with the song later without further ado let's listen to the song
Welcome back. So, I guess, as always, my first and favorite question is to ask, what came first? Was it the music or was it the lyrics? I, the song, what, it would be nine years ago at this point. It's a little hard to say. It's one of those things where I think they both, yes, that's what it is. One of those things where they both kind of came together. That was one of those things where they both kind of just synced up. And usually when it happens, I'm thinking of lyrics, the melody is already kind of there. Sometimes the melody, I could hear the guitar melody already playing in my head. So I think for this one, it was sort of just a chicken and the egg all together coming out at once. So when that happens, it usually ends up being like a song I really like the most. Of the songs I write, sometimes like you do it both ways. But when it kind of all just comes together at the same time, that's usually a song I'm like, oh, that really did come together really nicely. That's one of those. Uh, was this an easier song to write because of that? Or or do you usually, I don't know, I guess that, that not that that's a personal question, but it doesn't, I don't mean it in a way that's that's rude, but like, do you usually struggle to put the music and the words together? Yeah, I can. I mean, it, it depends on... Yeah, yeah, definitely can. So in that sense, it was easy, very easy to write because it kind of just happened. The other ways, you know, you come up with a, a guitar line or song structure first and you're trying to think of ways to pad it out with lyrics and stuff like that. Or you come up with lyrics and a vocal melody and you're trying to figure out, you know, trying to hash out the guitar stuff after that. And sometimes are easier than the other is, but you're trying to accommodate one based on the beginnings of another so when it does come together pretty quickly all together like this song it's yeah just way 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 easier like almost kind of springs forth from somewhere in the back of the head and all of a sudden it's out there like Mm. fully mostly complete song like oh that's it i just gotta refine it now was there a particular line that like came up that was kind of the impetus of like how that came together. I know that it's nine years ago, so it's like hard to put that back together and think about how you did that. It was sort of a combination of, I came up with the name later, like Emily. Yeah. I came up with that later, but that I don't see DDD was there, sort of the seed, mm. I guess. And then said that might not last for long, sort of came quickly after that i think it was the chorus was sort of the the beginning beginning there that the beginning of the melody where the rest of the song anchored so yeah sprung from there the the ascending but you're it, you're coming up the neck of the guitar doing the chords in that song how did that come about i'll be kind to myself and say it was heavily inspired and not ripped off yeah. <laughs> it paid tribute to yeah there is this band called henry's dress which they have a song target practice i feel like if you listen to that song it's not the same but you'd be like oh okay a very similar sort of just driving guitar the same th- four chords over and over and over and over different sort of rhythm there but that was sort of like i want to do a song like that took a little more inspiration than just writing a song like that kind of took liberally i guess but while not ripping it off completely i tend to overcomplicate songs writing uh in one way or another lyrics or guitar lines or chord structures this that or the other so i really wanted to challenge myself in a way like just stripped down simple easy just 
repetitive, st- stripped down of the songs I can make it. And I was really inspired by that Henry's dress. Really wanted to start moving towards that sort of simpler sort of songwriting. And that's kind of where, where it came from. One of the things that I, I love about punk in so many ways is there tends to be not very much nonsense. It's just like straightforward. It's just this weird combination of like abstract and concrete because lyrically there usually isn't a ton of exposition it's straightforward it tells you right what it is but it doesn't necessarily give you everything that you want and i feel like this is a prime example of something that's like within the pure punk ideals if if you will does that does that make sense no it does and that's exactly what i was trying to do with with this in the sense of because i just prior to this band all the bands I had been doing or writing music for was still punk, but a little more, yeah, more exposition is a perfect way to say it. I still tried to strip down song lengths, but with this, just really just barely any lyrics. How can I get away with repeating lyrics often in a way that I usually don't without making it sound too repetitive? How few of chords can I play in a song? while still sounding sort of dynamic. Not making it too short where it's like not a song, but also not drawing it out where it draws out its welcome. So yeah, that's exactly sort of the, the stripping it down thing I was I was going for, which I had been moving, which I've been sort of moving away from prior to that. So sort of getting back to what, what makes a song interesting. When you talk about stripping down the lyrics and having things be repetitive, the more that I actually do this show, the more that I recognize how repeating almost is its own signal in a way when you come back to a certain part that you had sung before you have the whole song that came before it and therefore it sometimes recontextualizes it yeah 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 so it's interesting to me that you have a first section that includes the line of if it's all in my head i guess i'd rather be long gone but then you do the second section and it says, I guess I could never convince anyone. And then back to that part when you say, if it's all in my head, I feel like you have a new context to what the, if it's all in my head is all about. It's like, because what did you end up not being able to convince anyone else, including yourself that it's, if it's all in your head. I like that because it's sort of one of those things where it's like, I'm not really thinking about that at the time, but that's sort of why I like, the fun thing when it comes to writing lyrics or writing songs, just sort of the, the meaning you can give to it after, mm-hmm. which I do all the time with lyrics I write or something like that. It just kind of comes out and then I recontextualize what it means after or whatever sort of happy accidents make it into something completely different than what I thought it was when I made it. Sort of yeah. doing it just to do in the moment and then later being able to look at it and be like, oh, that did kind of work in that way. That's kind of cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it like that. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll use, I'll say that. Yeah, I like that. You had the line bouncing in your head that said, I don't see da da da. When did you bring the Emily pars- uh, portion of it? And, and I'm sure our audience wants to know, is there an Emily so the name, I didn't want it to be anybody specific. Like, I didn't want to say, like, oh, this is the girl I dated before. Let me use her name. No, I don't want to do that. Like, that's not, it's not, uh, that's kind of weird to me, personally. So uh, I just thought of, I don't think I knew any, I might have known an Emma or two at the time, but I definitely didn't know any Emma Lees. So I was just trying to think of, like, something, a name that was not specific to anybody that I knew, while also sort of Emma Lee. It's like, Emily 
right? Like the the no, one name Emily, but it's not like a cipher for like a like an Emily that I knew, right? right? I didn't use Emma space Lee to mean like a Emily, right? It's just I was trying to think of I don't know what's a person's name that sounds kind of distinct or different. So instead of I was like I don't know, Emma space Lee, whatever. It sort of is stand in for somebody, but at the same time, I didn't want it to be oh this song is about this <laughs> this girl or whatever you know because I, I just wanted to be more broad open of course it's inspired by recent t- things i was going through at the time but i didn't want it to be just this is a song i wrote about this one person so right that was the other part of it too general writing this song general open sort of specific but not about anything one thing in particular to keep it as broad as yeah. as possible whether you create a person from your own experience or create a person as an amalgamation of all these experiences that have brought to that point mm. one way is no better than the other but it is interesting to find out where it was generated how did you bring this to the rest of the band like did you just have your guitar and sang and some of the really distinct character to this is is the drumming that that's coming yeah in, you know? yeah yeah it's funny that you you say that so i mean it was something where i probably had the beginnings of this song maybe year and a half or so before it actually got to a band it was one of those things where i was talking to my friend chris at the time who plays drums so long ago i, I barely remember but it was sort of something where it's like i don't know we could do you want to play music together and we both love the band henry's dress and a lot of bands like similar of that style there was a band uh, boy racer and we were sort of introducing each other to all these sort of 90s and 80s alternative bands shop assistance was another one really stripped down noisy pop bands from the late 80s and, and 90s and slumberland records sort of stuff from that era and i don't know we could do something like that right so i don't know maybe mess around he knew a guy a friend of his named kyle who plays bass in this band valentine's so we all kind of got together played some henry's dress covers and started coming to write songs for ourselves this was the first one that said well i already kind of had this beating around in my head so uh this was the first song official song we wrote for this band so kind of one of those things where the drummer did all the all the recording really hashed out the songs and did the drums very specifically in his own way mm. very referential to the bands that we were interested in and also sort of i guess you could say the production produced i made my sound my guitar sound how i wanted to sound but he helped guide that along right did the mastering and the mixing and the recording in a way to really draw everything out together one of those things where him and i got together and just like well let's start a band i guess this is this will be the song so i I usually say like what's my favorite part in this song but i i just feel like from beginning to end it it just has this like grittiness that i really like i mean that's the part i think it's like maybe more of an essence of the song yeah is what i like and so i i guess from what i'm kind of hearing is also this seemed like a very pivotal song for you like this was something that got the band going mm-hmm. and like was your direction what is your favorite part of this song well it's kind of what it's exactly how you said it the essence of it so i mean every little the, the not to be pretentious about a song that's 
under two minutes long with like three chords, but it's the yeah the production of it the way that, that it starts with a little feedback right at the beginning right before the chord. There's no part of the song I listen to and I'm like, well, that could have been different. It just sounds exactly how I want it to sound from beginning to end. Little details and stuff like that. Feedback here, sting here, the way it rings out at the end. It all just kind of comes together. I'm usually pretty critical of my vocal abilities. I was really happy with my vocal melody too and keeping together during recording. So that is the thing I like about this song. And the reason why I chose this song I say this truthfully and not to be any sort of arrogant or weird or whatever. I It was hard to choose. I like the songs I write. There are multiple bands where I've written a lot of songs. I've been a primary songwriter for a lot of bands. A lot of the bands I've been in and there's, there's a lot that I like. Then I think about certain things, certain songs for bands I've done. It's like I really, really liked how I did the lyrics here. Or this vocal melody, or I really like how all the instruments kind of came together, or I really like how the bass sounds here, or like how that like these two guitar leads playing next to each other. Really, I can look at a lot of songs I did and be like, I love this element, or these elements, or this, that, or the other, or, or I like this song overall. This song with this band, it's just exactly what I want it to be. This song and the recording of it, like like I said earlier. I tend to overcomplicate things. As time went on with this band, I started to complicate things more, which I didn't think is bad. It's just it's just was a little bit more complicated than the beginning with this song. Four chords, two parts, six lines, right. something like that. And I really, I kind of just had it from the beginning with this song. Never had to refine it. It just kind of came out, recorded it, I still listen to the recording and I'm just like, yeah, that's exactly exactly what I wanted to sound it. There's no part of it where I'm like, I'll kind of just ignore that part for all the other great parts that mm-hmm. I like. So, or, or in other songs that I, I really like or that I've written or this, that, or the other. So I just thought this is a perfect middle ground in every single way. Guitar, bass, sound, drums, lyrics, vocal melody, mm-hmm. production. It just kind of hits in every single way. Maybe other songs... I like certain guitar noises more, or certain lyrics more, or certain vocal melodies more, but once again, with this one, it just does exactly what I want it to do. I wish I could write a uncomplicated song like this <laughs> more, so... Right? Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I was thinking about this today, and I don't know if it was specifically to this fact, but the balance of simple... Sometimes it's a lot harder to write a simple song than it yes. is to write... A song that is that is complicated. It's like it's here it, it, after after bridge number two. We go to this little yeah. coda that goes to here. That's only like half of the and and sometimes. Well, I I think of this mainly when I try to write drums, and I usually write them like MIDI wise. So I'm programming drums, but when I try to program drums simply, I'm like, no, that just sounds dumb. It just repeats and repeats, and it's super simple. Hmm. And then when I try to be like, okay, let's juice it up just a little bit. And I'm like, okay, why why is it doing this little stupid thing that's like, you're just, it sounds like you're trying to play out of the pocket for no yeah, reason. Yeah. And it's like, it's it's cool, quote unquote, but it's not, yeah. So I think that's that's something that I really admire about this song because it, it like, it hits all the points, it does what it needs to do, and it's... And then it's gone. Know, it's a very clean, intentioned song. I, I have a difficulty writing simple, so... <laughs> Even if I'm writing uh, really fast punk songs, 
that are still under a minute and a half long that have tend to put a lot into it. So it's it's hard to it write. Yeah, it's really hard to write simple without it just being repetitive or really hard to write simple and dynamic. Right. So yeah, <laughs> for yeah. me, like, for me, where's so, it gonna go? Yeah, right? yeah. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004, carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week. They can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. So, Vincent, do you have a favorite venue in Champaign-Urbana? It can be past or present, of oh, course. Oh, past. Um, I mean, I think about... I mean, I probably played at that house that was on... Oh, boy. Went by so many names. Started at Shangri-La, Dingbat Dungeon, and then I forget what it was called after that, but... Mm. I was over by the strawberry fields there. That was probably the house I played at the most. So I guess sort of default to that. Yeah, because I just, I mean, it was get janky. (laughs) Get janky there for sure. Played there with many bands. And then when I finally moved here, did did shows there and played there some more. So yeah, it was uh, probably the most consistent one to me. Yeah. What drew you here to Champaign-Urbana. So I moved here five years ago in August and um, living in Chicago before that, a person I was dating at the time, she really wanted to go to grad school. This was an option and we're both kind of tired of Chicago anyway. The program she wanted to go into, uh, it was a really good program for that at University of Illinois. I was over living in Chicago and so we kind of scoped this out and I knew a lot of people from here having gone to college at ISU and playing shows around here when I was in college and being in a band that was based out of here for a few years. And so I knew a lot of people here. I was pretty familiar with Champaign. I was like, yeah, if I'm going to move and still be in Illinois, this seems to be as good of a place as any. So she ended up wanting to go here and we moved from Chicago to here. So we stayed separately, (laughs) but uh, yeah, I stayed. So let's talk about your venue, I mean, maybe I, I don't want to maybe give it the grand title of it being only your venue, but it seemed that you r- ran yeah, Casa say, yeah. de Shasha. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it was, I mean, yeah, for, it, yes, it was mine. I mean, to be, okay. I mean, okay. my roommates were, the, the various roommates I had who went in, in and out, not that I had like tons of roommates, leave, come, people coming in and out, but I mean, I lived there for two years and then. It was it was mine, all my PA equipment, and I set everything up. And I had some help for sure, but everything was mine, so planned by me. So, so the name Sasha was your corgi. Yes. 
the thing that I want to ask because it seems like it may be the missing piece in the musical sauce that is our Champagne Urbana music scene is do you need to have a corgi in your life in order to be a musician in champ there's there's, a few, there's quite a few uh uh champagne urbana musicians that i know that that have corgis um and i, I it's just and they're very you know they're i don't know what is it about i'm sorry this is off topic but what is it about corgis here's that, what i'll say about it you don't have to have one um but if you want to be good you need it so i mean it's just it's just the plain truth i i, I don't it just is what it is. So sorry. So what is it about corgis that, uh, or did you did you specifically get Sasha because she was a corgi? I like the, the the breed a lot. I've had that. I've had that breed. I had started when I was in high school, freshman right before freshman year of high school when we got our first one. When I moved out of my mom's house after I graduated college, a couple months after I graduated college, she got another one, a puppy, which was Sasha. And then she had to eventually rehome her because she was fighting with my other corgi. That was how I got my Sasha. You see them more and more often in the past, I'd say, eight years, six years, something like that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it all stems from a lot, of, especially people around my age. We all like the show. Generally, if you liked corgis and you're around my age, you liked that show, Cowboy Bebop, with the with the anime corgi. Oh. So and that's exactly oh. where I got it from. So I did not even put that together. Yeah, yeah and that's so I'm curious. I, so there's going to be a live action of it. Oh my gosh, we're totally going off topic. But the the li- there's the live uh-huh. action of that. Are you are you uh, excited about that? I'll watch at all? it. Or, okay, I'll, I'll give it a try. I, I'm I'm not I'm neither excited nor pessimistic. Gotcha. If it's good, it's good. If it's not, I won't watch past the first episode. So let's talk about like running a house venue, a house show, or like have you always been into running house shows? Was this your first house venue? No, no. I've been doing I've been been doing this for a while. Well, I remember. I mean, in high school, I played my first in Woodstock, Illinois, and then I booked my first one my freshman year of college not i mean i was in the dorms so i didn't live there 18 19 years old booked my first one at a friend's house in normal so i didn't live there at the time no you know what it was sorry it is it is, it is no, this cool. is how i work i i focus on unnecessary details to other people it was my sophomore year first semester because it was in october mm. one of the bands was half normal half chicago one of the bands from Champagne and two were from Chicago, <laughs> so uh, it was it was it was not a smartly booked show at all. But the, so they really the only local band was from Champagne. <laughs> that was the first house show I ever booked. Did more shows at that my friend's house after that, and and eventually moved into a house my junior year where I did shows and always did it after that. Been doing it consistently ever ever okay. since. So, what do you think is is a good way to run a house show or to book for a house show? um responsibly i don't <laughs> like 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 you care like you like you care about what you're doing i say that knowing that especially like the first house that i run especially the first few i think about the first couple first the first show oh my god what a, i mean it worked but i n- did not pay the bands enough like mm. i know like it was a badly booked show like the, the the spread of money was was not smart and uh i made a mistake i growing pains learning stuff after that and but I mean, the best way to, to do it is just to try it, of course, but also to be invested in what you're doing. 
Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Not just be like, oh, I'm going to have a fun party where bands play and uh, yep, I get everybody together and then just, it just kind of happens. No, you have to actually be a functional, like you don't have to be like overlord, <laughs> but do more than just, I don't know, I'm just going to get people together to see what happens. No, you ask everybody for money. You are helping bands like quote-unquote sound check. You are charging appropriately and hassling people for money so people right. get paid, you know? So it's uh, to be present. <laughs> the best way to do it is to be present and aware as much as possible. <laughs> so. But I feel like one of the things that is kind of integral to our music scene, and I know it's not just Champaign-Urbana, but house venues in general, it's important that people realize that it's it's not like a normal venue. You're not going to a bar to drink and then possibly hear music. It's like you're going to a venue to hear specific music, you know? And and mm. I, I feel like that's yeah. one of the best things about a good house show is that if people come to those shows, they're there to hear music and experience something new. And, you know... It, it's not the focus to, you know, just drink or, or see your friends. It's more about, well, and maybe you're there to see your friends yeah, who are and, playing, but I, I mean, yeah, I, I think for plenty of people who do go, it is a lot of it is to be, have, be in a social setting and hang out and, you know, so for whatever reason, somebody goes to a show, like if it is more of a social event than, than, uh, you know, perhaps seeing bands, like I don't, I don't begrudge anybody to do that as long as they're paying me money to be there. Uh, to be perfectly honest, paying me money so I can pay the bands. Um, I should say, not paying me money, giving me money to give to somebody. Right. <laughs> somebody else. Yep. I, as long as they do that, and they're not giving me static on that, I don't care why they show up. Or, but, but even then, even if they do do that, even if they are like, oh, all my friends are going to the show. I don't even know who's playing, but I'm going to go too. And oh yeah, I'll pay the, the money. Even if you're going there not specifically to listen to music, you're going to be assaulted by it. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. can't really escape it unless you like go outside and having cigarettes, drinking out in the backyard or whatever with people do. But I mean, it's it's a little more to get out of it than if you were at a bar or something. You can phase it out more if you're at like a, a quote unquote real venue or, or bar more than you can at like a house show. This is the question that has arisen during the pandemic what to you makes a good music scene that's a hard question i think it's it is just it's people i don't know i don't want to overcomplicate it either it's people people who are interested people who want to check things out um supportive people who are supportive it's good people who make it basically i think this is the simplest in the, is the simplest way Good people, good supportive people. I don't know. Yeah. Multiple local bands, you know, but that that goes back to good, good people and interest. What could Champagne Urbana do better for the music scene? It's hard to say right now because what is music scene in Champagne Urbana? What is a music scene anywhere at this point? I, you know, like it's sort of this thing where we were coming out, we were in this sort of stasis for a year and a half like a butterfly we're coming out of our cocoon slowly being like okay it's not there's not toxic or whatever like i can come out and uh, you know you're coming out of your little fallout bunker and being like oh okay like things seem to be calmed down those no like mutants rolling about or whatever i'm going to come out and see what's going on you know and maybe maybe interact with more people maybe think more things will happen and 
uh, you, you know, dip people, you saw people dipping their toes into playing shows more, and and then now with, with the Delta variant going around, it's mm-hmm. just sort of and now with mask mandates in Illinois as of couple days as of this recording or tomorrow as of this recording now that's another step to being like uh mm, well maybe not you know so like right. uh, it was sort of a thing where a couple months ago it was like oh we could do something like we could start dipping our toes and doing stuff outside and this that or the other and maybe maybe we can think about oh maybe it's not the end of the world to have something inside you know with with, with considerations or start slowly moving towards that and then now it's just sort of like oh nope like shrinking back like oh, i guess we'll wait a little bit more i mean not maybe not everybody feels that way but uh, i know for me and i know for enough other people that's where it is um and when when it comes to local music and diy music stuff there's the resource pool of people is small so if a third of those people don't really feel like going out at all or going out with considerations I mean, it really digs into what you can do yeah. because there's a difference between doing something and having 20 people at your event and it being totally worth it to have it. 20 people outside of bands or whatever. Difference between 20, 30, 40 people at your event and then 15 or 10 or whatever. So, yeah. and I know for me, I don't know what can make it better because there's nothing you can really do, unfortunately. Right. So... I, I wanted to get back into booking and playing shows, getting my band more active. My goal was to do a benefit show end of September is what I was thinking. And I was kind of trying to poke around, think about it, see where I could do it, instead of the, maybe who can play. And then this Delta, Delta, Delta started happening. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I no, I, I guess it's now, now is not the time. At this point, I don't know when would be the time. So, right, I right. mean, kind of to go on a, a tangent, a long tangent, I guess, off of what your question is, what we can do better. It's just like, I don't know what it would take for there to be a music scene in Champaign, like an active music scene, because right. to me, it's hard enough to run a show as it is. It's rewarding, but in the moment, I'm not really having a lot of quote unquote fun doing it. Right. <laughs> I like it. I want to do it. It's rewarding. It's great when I'm watching bands, but all the stuff around it is not, I wouldn't necessarily call fun. It's not always a hassle, but I might not call it fun, right? So yeah. like taking money, you know, kind of co- refereeing, refereeing people or this, that, or the other, hosting, whatever. Um, you know, and there are people out there, I've been seeing people being like, oh, okay, yeah, I mean, we'll do stuff outside. Or now I see people doing more like, oh, you have to be vaccinated to come to the show. Like, you have to wear masks and this, that, or the other. And I'm going to be honest, I don't want to deal with any of that. None of it. Right. Nope, I don't want... Not only because that is, at that point, too much effort for too little return it's hard enough to get people to go out as it is when you're ready being your security (laughs) for your for your show being like oh where's your mask and being like oh i have one okay well you can't come in and then like cuts down some people come in or like i really can't come my friends playing or whatever you know you get in that static it's like at that point what's the point and also too for me it's like and this is just a personal opinion i don't i i don't judge anybody who do, who chooses to deal with i'm gonna book a show and make it masks and make it vaccine required and this that or the other but if it's necessary to me if it's necessary to have a mask in a setting where you're around a lot of people it doesn't make sense to me to get people to get together right certain kinds of music accommodated better right 
you know you could have your like folky sort of rocky kind of stuff where you have people kind of sitting and kind of relaxing and milling about and they can just be kind of maybe if they're standing together you know kind of just not packed on top of each other but certain things where it's like people are packed right in front of the bands playing on the floor and there's this energy it's not conducive to having everybody wear masks because if you're trying to wear masks then I mean, you shouldn't be close to people <laughs> right, right. No. supposedly yeah. allegedly I mean, which i agree with but so it's just like i you know i see people be like oh we have these shows with masks or whatever and then i see a bunch of videos of all these people with masks on shoving into each other and crowd surfing i'm just like i'm taking myself out of this conversation right yep. <laughs> and i'm just not gonna do it right. i that doesn't make sense to me so i'm out and i feel like a lot of other people are like that yeah. So some people are, are fine with dealing with that and power to them for dealing with that. But until that requirement on vaccines or masks is no longer a thing and you can just sort of reintegrate with people, I really don't know what a music scene really looks like. Maybe in six months or whatever when it's still a thing, it's like, well, we got to figure something out. <laughs> you know, yeah. I guess I guess this is just how it is. You know, maybe you can reevaluate, but and I'm not saying the only way that for a music scene to happen is to go back to how it was before, because I mean, what's that mean? <laughs> I don't know. You can argue there's no way for that to go back completely how it was. Even in the midst of the current coronavirus pandemic, the Jubilee Cafe is continuing to serve packaged home-cooked meals free to all every Monday evening, 5 to 6.30 p.m. Meals are available for pickup outside the 6th Street door to the Community United Church of Christ in Champaign, Illinois, 805 South 6th Street. Jubilee Cafe's mission remains the same. Feed hungry people by cooking healthy and delicious meals. We are open to anyone who cares to receive a meal. For information on the meal or how to volunteer, go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email us at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Welcome back. So, Vincent, what is your favorite non-musical thing or things it's pretty easy for me <laughs> it's I, I mean I'm, I'm a tattooer so tattooing it's plain and simple <laughs> that's that that's it's my, it's my favorite non-musical thing that's what I do I'm assuming that you got a tattoo first and then said I want to do this rather than oh yeah the yeah way around yeah <laughs> okay oh yeah 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 to be honest that's really the only logical way you could do that absolutely i mean really the music and tattooing i mean this goes hand in hand for me and for a lot of other people i mean there's so many tattooers who uh started out in punk scenes and in music scenes like so many musicians who and bands who are whose job is to tattoo so tattooing and diy especially punk music go hand in hand together so and that's how i got into it i mean my first two tattoos were bands that i really mm. liked and the reason I wanted to get tattoos is because first time I was in a tattoo shop, I'll never forget, I was on tour with my high school ska band the summer before I went to college. First time in a tattoo shop. And what's the name of that? That, that, was, the, that was The Risk. Uh, okay. <laughs> and we were on tour with my other friend's band, also from our same high school. Mm. I shared some same members as well. And that was the first time in a tattoo shop. We were in Pittsburgh, 
and I don't remember the name of the place, my 17-year-old friend really wanted to get a, a tattoo on his wrist. The rep, like some, um, that symbolized something with some other friends of his from, or his brother's friends or whatever. So we were laid up in Pittsburgh. Our show kind of didn't really happen. I, sort of up in the air, sort of weird thing. Mm-hmm. So it was like, well, we're in Pittsburgh. What we can do? My friend Kevin went and get a tattoo. He just went into a random tattoo shop. This was before a smartphone. Well, I mean, I guess we had some, somebody had a smartphone, but, but I mean, we all pretty much all had flip phones. So we just found a tattoo shop, went in. My friend Kevin got a tattoo. Wasn't supposed to because he was 17, but uh, the guy was just like, you're 18, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that was my first experience at a tattoo shop and it didn't really make an impression on me then because I really wasn't interested in tattoos at the time. Most of the stuff I'd seen about tattoos beforehand, even at the house shows or the shows that I played around with people who had tattoos, it didn't really resonate with me. I didn't really mm-hmm. notice, but the reason why the first time I ever went to a tattoo shop was I was on tour. When I went to college and started meeting more and more people who were in local music and were doing house shows and normal and were in local bands and punk bands and stuff like a lot of my older friends, they had tattoos. Like, and I was like, oh, wow, these are cool. Oh, wow, I'm actually really interested in these. Like, that's cool. And also, too, to be honest, like, I was interested in the aesthetics of it all, too, right? So it's like my older friends who I'm inspired by, like, a lot of them have tattoos. And they didn't do it to fit in, but this is the aesthetic I'm going for. I want to get tattoos, too. So that's cool. First uh, two tattoos were band tattoos. So that's kind of how why I got into tattooing was through playing music and meeting people who had cool stuff. So yeah. And then it sort of snowballed from there when did you say you know what i this is what i want to do like when did you say i'm gonna pick up the what what do you it's the pencil not a tattoo. Yeah, well, yeah, like the it? pencil primarily the pencil so for me it was the pencil so it's always funny when people ask me like small talk when i'm tattooing them oh you've been t- you've been drawing you know your your whole life i'm guessing right no not at all i was living in chicago 23 24 something like that and I uh, was working in food service. I got a degree, um, but I didn't want to do a career in the field. I got a degree, and I wanted to go move to Chicago and play in bands and travel and tour and have fun. And I was doing that to an extent, and I was having fun, seeing a lot of bands play, seeing a lot of shows, getting a tour when I could with the bands that I was in. I was working in food service. For what I was doing, I I was making pretty decent money moving up or whatever in the jobs that I had to higher positions. It's sort of one of those things where it's just like, especially after I got my dog, <laughs> it was kind of like, yeah, uh, I had more and more responsibilities, more bills to pay, more this, that, or the other. It's like, well, at first, I was, spent, I was going broke buying tattoos. I never got to the point where like, I have no money, but it's like, I would get my paychecks, I would make sure all my bills are paid, had groceries and stuff. I'm like, all right. I, I mean, I have like a couple, I have 150 bucks. I'll get a new tattoo. Uh, I'll be fine. And my next paycheck will hit pretty soon. I'll be fine on this small amount of money until the next paycheck. So, and then I got to the point where, no, I need to have some money. <laughs> I right. need to have some yeah. money in case something comes up. And then, so I was like, oh, I need to have a little bit of savings, whatever this, that, or the other. I can't just spend all my money on tattoos and then be like, oh, car trouble. Oh, gotta go to the vet. Oh, gotta do this. Oh, got to do that. Something broke down. Some this, some that. Oh, I got a, my guitar broke, and it was like these things would happen. I was like, I can't be so worried about money anymore. I can't come back from a tour and be stressed because I didn't. Uh, I was gone for a week, and now I have to make up that week of not having like. Right. I needed to figure something else out because I was going to be in food service the rest of my life otherwise, one way or the other, unless I did something else. Well, what's something else I could do? I don't know. I'm heavily tattooed. 
there's a lot of things I liked about the culture of tattooing that I chose the aesthetics that I, the kind of tattooing that I liked and that I was interested in and the history and this that or the other if I could think of anything else I would want to do that seems pretty cool I can't draw though so uh, I started trying to learn how to draw when I was like 23 maybe I don't know huh. um just like well this seems dumb I don't know how to draw like I'm 23 years old I don't want to get in tattooing that's stupid but it's also like well if I don't try it's definitely not going to happen so mm. you know long long term long term goals so I was like well maybe if I get to 30 and I don't do it then maybe I'll do something else but yeah I wow. started trying it and eventually I just got my opportunity so but yeah I was basically trying to figure out something else to do, <laughs> to do trying to think of what else I liked and yeah the the process though for learning to become a tattoo artist is it, is you you take kind of an apprenticeship correct? that's the traditional way to do it yes and and that's what you did that's correct? what i did yes yeah so you started learning with a a, a mentor yes is it, do they call it a mentor yes okay. yes 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 um and and so it, it's not like you can just ju i mean typically you can't just jump in maybe you can but you, you can i mean there, there, there's a lot of ways to do it but the traditional way is to do an apprenticeship and there are plenty of people out there who to choose not to do that the unfortunate fact is not everybody who takes apprentices has their best interest in mind it's a hard thing to get into and uh, it's a hard thing to get into right and it's a hard thing to get into where you're not being taken advantage of and there are plenty of people out there who's like i'm just going to do it and practice with my friends for a while and eventually i'll get good or not or i'll move on to something else and there there are plenty of good tattooers out there who eventually did come out and become good tattooers without doing the apprenticeship thing and they're well regarded or respected in some way to me the most efficient way to do it and the way to do it where you're learning you're getting all of the sort of you're learning all of the lessons ahead of time you're being guided through instead of learning the hard way of mistakes not picking up bad habits uh, is to get an apprenticeship so um, yeah. With with a mentor who treats you well, which you right. may they you might think it's going to happen at first, and then you get into it, and it's like, oh no, this is not like this person is 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 not doing right by me. Thankfully, in my case, great. There is the potential in any artistic endeavor for people to take advantage. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, the I'm power kind of dynamic is 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 heavily weighted in one way, right? Yeah. So it's easy for somebody to to do that intentionally or not i'm i'm sure that there is a wide variety of like styles genres almost yeah of, oh, yeah, of yeah tattoos yeah. Uh -huh. and how would you characterize your style of tattoos like i see it it's it seems a little traditional yeah yeah tradi yeah yeah quote unquote the american traditional sort of style which translates to usually bold lines or at least clearly defined lines bold colors some people might say cartoony i would say stripped down and easily recognizable or it's something you look at and it's like a skull looks like a skull a dagger looks like a dagger a rose looks like a rose you don't have to think about it too much the thing about traditional tattooing is you're breaking tattooing down to its basics you get line work shading color design is what it is you can do their fancy tricks you can do in this that or the other but the thing that attracts me to traditional tattooing in a similar way that like i don't know punk music does is that it is stripped down mm -hmm. to its core roots and the, the core of it is really focused on 
to make something pure and easily recognizable. You know, um, it's sort of the same thing. You're talking about making a a simple but catchy song that doesn't overstay its welcome. That's sort of the goal with traditional tattooing. Something you can get done in a half hour or an hour or more if it's a larger piece or whatever, but get in and out and have something nice at the end of it that looks like it looks like what it is. <laughs> now here's my own little Q&A about sure, tattooing, sure. but like for larger pieces, do you do multiple sessions? Yeah, I'll do oh, as okay. many sessions as somebody wants. I, I will do whatever somebody wants to do, basically. You know, I, oh. I, even if somebody wants for larger pieces, yeah, if you want to sit for three hours for a three-hour piece or then four hours before one tattoo, I haven't been tattooing for very long, so I haven't done like super, 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 I haven't done too many large projects that are, that take hours and hours and hours. I don't think I've quite hit something double digits in terms of hours for a whole tattoo. If, you know, somebody wants to sit for four hours, great, yeah, we'll do it. But if somebody wants to take a two-hour tattoo and turn it into two one-hour sessions, that's fine. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to break it down. And I mean, even there's one tattoo I've done that was like an hour long. Somebody did 15 minutes for the outline and we did an, another session that was 45 minutes of shading. So, I mean, if somebody wants to do it like that for whatever reason, that's fine. You know? Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I always thought it was, I thought it was like based on a process of the skin healing, but you're saying it's, it tends to be more about what a person can take. Yeah. Take in terms of one being time-wise and then also just be comfortable. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. Money and time, which they go kind of go together. Oh. Um, and then, uh, yeah, someone's like, I, really, I don't have, I only have this amount of money to spend on this tattoo today, but I want to finish it another time when I have more money, you know, especially for larger projects like sleeves or larger, lar anything that takes multiple hours. It's like, yeah, we uh, only have the money for the outline today. We'll get a rest done later or whatever. Or it'd be like, Oh, I thought I could do this three-hour, two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour tattoo on my ribs in one go, but or wherever. It could be wherever, but mm -hmm. but uh, I can only get an hour done today. <laughs> so I would say it's mostly due to how the person takes it. I've definitely stopped sessions before. Yeah, I've definitely done a thing where it's like, yeah, I guess we could keep going. We've been at it for a while now. You could do more. You have the money. I have the time. I'm feeling all right. You're feeling all right. But we don't need to do it like this. Right. So even even if we could finish it, do a longer session, a five-hour session, six-hour session, four-hour session, if we're at like the two-hour mark, a three-hour mark, and it's like, well, we're not, we're probably, <laughs> to finish this, we would need to do way more. So why don't we just stop now while we're feeling good? Oh, uh, yeah. Because that's the other thing I like to tell people when it comes to tattooing, especially when it's something uncomfortable, a place that hurts a lot or a large project. It's like, nobody needs to be a hero. I'm getting my back piece tattooed, my full back. I do about two, two and a half hours at a time. Could I stand for more? Sure, and it probably would lead to the back being done sooner. Like, I could do a four-hour session, but there's no need to, to put myself through that. Huh. There's no need to put the tattooer through that either because, for me, I'm extremely empathetic. And it's hard, it's, it's hard for, I mean, not everybody, but it's hard for a lot of tattooers to, to hurt people for that long. Right. Some people are, don't care as much. It's, it's tough to do that to somebody, especially when they're in a lot of pain. Huh. Like, oh, I could do like, like two hours and someone's struggling. They could still do another hour, but they'll be squirming the whole time. It's draining. There's so many factors as to why you would want to break it up. We could, we could leave on a good note, you know? So. Yeah, I mean, you said, uh, sorry. You sound like a therapist too, in some ways, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, yeah. 
Yeah, um, I mean, I mean we're yeah. working through some shit, but both draining for us. And uh, yeah, psychology is a huge part of of tattooing, even if you're engaging with it intentionally or not. So it's an endurance run for sure. No. <laughs> a lot no, of emotions, I, you know. <laughs> As, as an untattooed person, but I, I have so many friends that, you know, swear by getting tattoos, like, like how, like, there's an addictive yeah. thing about it, too, mm-hmm. that, not in a negative way, but it's just, like, when you get one, you just feel like you want another, well, you know? yeah, yeah, I mean, it's the thing where two things happen. It's, it's, uh, one is, after you get your first one, for somebody who is potentially interested anyway, you break the seal, right? There's no way to know what a tattoo feels like or if you can take it until you get your first one. After you get your first one, it's like, oh, I can do this. And that, you know, maybe even if it felt bad, I'm done, it's over, and I like what I have, I can do that again. Whether it's next month, next year, two months from now, three months from now, whatever, next week, (laughs) sometimes, what else you got? You have more time for another one? You know, some people are like that. But after you get your first one, you realize, I can do this. Now it's like, oh, I have actually all these ideas for things I might want to get. This seems more of a reality than like a, a pipe dream. And then the other part of it is too, it's like people who like tattoos, like typically they like the, how a lot of tattoos look. So it's like once they get their first one, it's like, oh, I know I can do this and I can do this again. And I, and I want to just start filling up. And especially the more you get, especially if you want to be a person who... Maybe not even heavily tattooed, but like I want to have a, a full arm of tattoos or a full leg of tattoos. You start getting more tattoos, and it's like you start to see the empty spots. Yeah. <laughs> so no, it's I like, oh, I want that. to fill that. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I don't want to call it like a failure rate because I don't think that's right. Sure. But but how many people start getting a tattoo and you're just like, nope, that's it. Um, not very many. I mean, I can think of. There's only. Once in my career, in my time, my short, my relatively short time of tattooing, where I've tattooed somebody and we finished and they stopped before the tattoo was done and that's it. Mm. And like there was no, no coming back and finishing. Like that was it. Uh, that was my first walk in tattoo on somebody. So the first time I was able to do a tattoo on just a random person coming in. That wasn't my friend. Not only was not my friend, but wasn't a like an appointment made. My first random, and I sort of knew who this person was. He was known to the shop. Just came in like I want to get a tattoo. I'm, I can do it. Did an um, outline of uh, a rose on his chest, and uh, he was uh, first couple lines. He's like, I don't think I could finish this. And granted, I was slow at the time. Very, very, very early. I never tattooed a chest before, but at the same time, it was like, really can't finish this? I don't think I can finish this. It's just the outline. He's got, and he had tattoos, plenty of tattoos, but, oh. but he just never, he was just like, all right, I mean, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll get through the outline and see how you feel, but I feel like it's not that big of a tattoo either. I mean, I know it took a long, take, take a long time at the time, but uh, yeah, got through the outline, didn't want to finish it, never came back for it wow. to get it finished. So, so that was the only time ever since then even when people are struggling to get through a tattoo if it's a larger piece it's like okay you're struggling let's get to a point where we can stop and it makes sense to want to want to do this for example this three or four hour stomach tattoo it makes sense to do it in a one hour chunks Mm. because you're having a hard time that's fine or it's something where it's small it's only going to take like 30 minutes 
15 minutes, 20 minutes, but it's in a place that they really are having a hard time with. It's like, you can do this. It makes no sense to stop because it's such a s small enough thing. Like, you can do it. So it's just kind of like hmm. pushing these people through to get it to get it finished. And so usually the people who do have trouble and are having, having struggle, like on small stuff, it's you can get them through the finish line, use psychology, push them through. They can take their breaks if they want to, but there's only one other time where, yeah, I did finish the tattoo, but I actually had made a reference to this earlier where it was a guy who wanted a tattoo. It was maybe like an hour, hour 15 long tattoo. Start of the outline, he's like, I think we just need to do the outline today and do the shading another day. It's like, well, this outline's gonna take 15 minutes. Most of the tattoo is shading. Yeah. If you can't do a 15 minute outline, I didn't say this to him, of course, but right. I was more polite about it. But right. it's like, if you're really having this hard of a time for 15 minutes, how are you going to finish 40 minutes of shading? But okay, you know, sure. And we came, we did the outline, finished it, came back a few weeks later, did the shading. It was good enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He got through it, thankfully. But that was the only time I could think of where I've done a tattoo so far where it's like, it was broken up the sessions when it really didn't need to be. Mm. So, but, but, but then again, to go back to the very root of your question, I'm, I, when I, I can tend to meander, there's only one time in uh, three years of three years since I've done my first tattoo, um, uh, ever, um, wow. where somebody's not finished it. So to me, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a foreign world and it's like, you know, you mentioned breaking the seal and for me, it's like, I, I'm like, what would I actually, what do I believe in enough to actually etch it onto my skin? And maybe that's not the way I should be looking at it. But I mean, I think tattoos mean different things to different yeah. people. So I think that's my breaking the seal is like, what can I right. put on my skin that it, that I believe in that much? Well, because, yeah, I mean, generally I, the way I say it is the first tattoo takes the longest to figure out. Hmm. The second tattoo generally takes the shortest. <laughs> uh, generally, I mean, everybody's different, of course, but... And that was not the case for me. The only reason why I, I, it was money was a big factor for me from getting my first to my second. I knew I wanted my second one after I got my first, but that just goes to show it's like the first one, you don't know what you want because you don't even know if you like tattoos, really. You, you right. like the idea of tattoo, or, but you're like, maybe I'll get one. Maybe I'll just get a couple. Maybe I'll get a few. But the first tattoo, generally speaking, has a lot of meaning. mm Unless the people are just like, I already know I like traditional tattoos or whatever. I think a skull is cool. I think a dragon is cool. I think a dagger is cool. I want this. I like this style. I'm already invested. Pop it on, you know. For the vast majority of people, it's like, if this was my only tattoo, would I be happy with it? Mm. Right? So, because, yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same thing like you're saying. Maybe, maybe these people think that they want to get multiple tattoos, but it's like, they don't know. So, it's like... Yeah, what what do I want on my body forever? What, and if it, this ends up being my only tattoo, how would I feel if this was my stake in the sand, you know? Like my right. flag post, you know? So then generally, after they get that, if they have more ideas, it's like, oh, okay, keep going. But yeah, right. generally the first tattoo takes a long time to figure out and it has the, has the most meaning for people, so. Yeah. If someone were to want to see your work or to get a tattoo from you, is there is there a good way of contacting you yeah or? 
there are two ways to do it. I mean, three ways, I guess you could do it. I, I work at New Life Tattoos in Champaign on Green Street. So, I mean, that that is the simplest way. Come in. <laughs> yeah. um, and we have our physical portfolios there. I mean, but typically, I mean, to do it from home, you know, I have Instagram is sort of my... Is, is, is Tattooers use Instagram, right? So that's just sort of this their, their online portfolio, online, organic, ever-changing portfolio. So Instagram, the shop has a Instagram, New Life Tattoos. Um, and my specific handle is Imperfect Medium, but that uh, is uh, can be found through our shop Instagram as well if it's uh, hard to figure out or whatever. But um, I'll edit in the notes. Yeah, for sure. yeah. And also, too, for those who don't have Instagram, I do have like an, a mostly updated portfolio on our on our shop's website of newlifetattoos.net. So there's a lot. Of, there's a few different ways to see the kind of stuff that I do or. Or, or getting get a hold of me so vincent thank you for coming on the show and telling me about your song emma lee off of the single emma lee backed with later talking about your house venue casa de shasha uh creating tattoos and learning how to tattoo and why you got into tattooing um it's just been a real pleasure thank you for being yeah on the thank show. you yeah a lot of fun Thank you for listening to Champagne is Also a Band podcast. This is Vincent Aguilar reminding you, great music is out there. Go find it where you live. a wrap. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. South <laughs> <laughs> on the inside. <laughs>